Mike, man, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you on. We actually get to see each other every other week for our Laying Foundations leadership group that we do. Next time, if that's open, everyone who wants to join, feel free to join. We'd love to have you on. But Mike's an awesome guy. We've gotten to know him over the past few months now. And so excited to dig into your story a little bit more and in depth than we have. So just to begin with, who are you? What do you do? And where are you from? Man, well, shoot. Thanks for having me. Uh, <laughs> this is cool. Uh, who am I? I'm Mike. I'm from I'm from Atlanta. So for, for the people who are listening who are from Atlanta, I can actually tell you where I'm from. So I'm from the west side, Cobb County. So Marietta area is where, oh, where I grew up. For everyone who's not from Atlanta, just Atlanta. It's fine. Uh, that's, I, I feel like I have to explain that every time somebody I, asks hey, me where I'm from. When I, I lived there, it. I did the same. I lived in Roswell and Alpharetta, but I just said Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Atlanta, it's fine. It's the whole, it's the whole top half of the state. Yeah, it's no okay. one knows the little city. Everyone, if <laughs> if you're like anywhere within an hour's drive, you're just from Atlanta, right? That's you're right. from Atlanta, yeah. Because if you're any like, if you're like an hour and like ten minutes west, just say Alabama. There you go. <laughs> same thing on the other side. You're from South Carolina. It's right? like Birmingham. <laughs> if you're like thirty to forty-five minutes in a in a in an area, right? You know, radius around right. Birmingham. You're from Birmingham. Yep, that's it. That's it. Yeah, man. So yeah, I'm, that's that's where I come from. I'm living currently in South Florida now, working down here. It's been summer for the past five years, so <laughs> is that? <laughs> it's the wildest thing ever to experience, man. Being down here, my first my first year down here, I came in September of 2018, and I remember like around when everybody else has winter down here. It was still like. In the 80s, I think one day it got down to like 70. And I remember coming down the elevator in like a t-shirt and shorts. And there's like a couple next to me that's wearing like big bubble jackets and the snow hats. Oh my oh god! It's like it's confusing because I'm looking at this and looking at me, and I'm trying to figure out which one of us is wrong. Because <laughs> we're dressed for very different climate. It's not like like we're not near an airport, so like I don't know what's going on. <laughs> That's right. So, Mike, what? How did you get into construction? So, on accident, kind of. I originally, when I was when I was younger, I wanted to be an architect. So, like when I was a kid, one of my like great passions and pastimes was drawing. I used to draw a lot. Today, I can't tell you when the last time I drew a picture was. I'm drawing a lot of sketches on whiteboards, but a lot of detailed sketches and this and that. But like, right. I used to just draw, 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 draw. I love to draw houses. I used to build like model buildings when I was a kid. I'd use like cardboard and stuff like that. Stadiums have always been like my thing. I've always loved stadiums as as a like as a kid, even as an adult. Still love stadiums. Like if you ever go to a sporting event with me, I'm gonna like halfway watch the game and the other half, I'm just be like looking up at the structure, just like looking at the steel and the gusset plates and this and that. <laughs> so that's kind of where it started and I think just like in my in my like high school years just kind of learning a little bit more about the parts and pieces of the industry I think the construction part of it attracted me a little bit more but I I still like design so I ended up actually going to school this is a very roundabout story I started out wanting to be an architect I ended up going to school for civil engineering Oh, wow. Graduated and got a job in construction. Heck yeah. I've been in construction ever since. Full circle. 
full circle. Yeah, full circle. Hey, if you work a design build job, you're good. You're going. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just waiting for that one. Hasn't happened yet, but there you it's go. coming. There you go. So, Mike, so what are you currently doing now? So, right now, I'm a project manager for GC down down here in Miami. I am working on a, let's call it a 10-story mid-rise down in, down in Wynwood in Miami. So just in the middle of, like, every other construction project you could think of, basically. Which yeah. <laughs> is in a hole. It's, it's a zero-lot line job. You know, just in time delivery. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. It's it's kind of a strange like the building itself is like end use wise is supposed to be almost like dormitory style. Uh, it's a rental building huh. and it's got sixty three units and each unit most most of the units have four bedrooms. I think we have like two three bedroom units on each residential floor. Every bedroom has a bathroom, so 217 beds, 217 Dang. baths. Wow. Each individual room is going to be rented out by itself. Wow. Weird. Which is strange. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm working on right now. It's, we are just, we, we, we topped off the beginning of the, the, the end of April. We topped off. Congrats. So we're... At the top of the structure, it's kind of a misnomer, though, because we were able to get to the top of the shaft and we dropped down and built like the 10th floor, which is the pool deck area. So that's what we're working on now. We got one more pour on level 10, which is a pool deck. Yeah. And I got a little amenity area on the top. That's pretty much it as far as concrete goes in the structure. This is a complete sidebar, Mike, and you I mean to me now if you want to. But on our job now, we have just massive amounts of lay down. And our superintendent, this is his first time being a superintendent role. And I remember him being like, man, we got no lay, lay down area around the site. And I'm just like, there's people that literally have like literally zero. And like, I've been on a job where there was literally like a back alleyway, right? Like we got so much lay down, like it's ridiculous. And so I've never been on a job with zero lay down like you talked about. But what is that like? Because people just, people don't understand. I guess let, let's back up and even do it for maybe a student that hasn't been on a job site yet. What is it like? What's the lay down area? You know, what is it like to have just in time deliveries? Because I haven't, you know, been on the job where we've had to have had to do that. Man. So when we say zero lot line, that means if your lot is this rectangle, right? This is also your building footprint. Wow. <laughs> so there's nothing. There's no room. There's not a parking lot. There's not a backyard. There's not a front yard. There's like we had to demo the sidewalk to create more space. Yeah. Like we, there's nothing. We have nothing. If I showed you my site plan on our east, on the east property line, I think we're three quarter inch away from the property stake. It was like oh, we've had our God. setback survey, which is where a survey will come out and actually shoot your building corners, make sure that you're still in the property. And sure enough, three quarter, three quarter inch. Oh, that's <laughs> close. So that's that's, that's like that's a special that's like a special sort of easement almost, right? I mean, because usually I have like a twenty foot setback. I mean, so y'all had to get is that like a special permission thing, or is that just so what Miami does? Or it's 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 really kind of just what Miami does. I mean, okay. so there is a setback off the street. I'll give you okay. that. We have a gotcha. setback off the street. Even that is pretty tight. So 
City of Miami and I think other municipalities is basically the same, where they determine the public right of way is basically for back of sidewalk on this side of the street, the back of sidewalk on this side of the street. So you got sidewalk, road, sidewalk, boom, boom. This is all your right of way. So you shift that over. This is the back of my sidewalk. I got about six feet off that sidewalk wow. where the building is. So if you can imagine building, right? Six feet sidewalk, which is another six feet. Then you got a parking lane, which is about 10 feet. And then the road. Ain't no room for Connex. <laughs> Dude, you want to know what we did with our Connex? Yeah. <laughs> So we had, we actually, we didn't, we didn't really have a context. We had a, a, our, our office trailer that is actually gone now because there's no room. So in the beginning of the job, I had a, what did, what did I have? I think I had an eight by 20. Just a little, just, I mean, just enough room for you to yeah. put a chair in it. Like, you know, <laughs> had a little eight by 20, the concrete, the shell contractor, he did actually have a context. There wasn't room for both of us. So we actually put his in the back, right? Took our trailer, stacked it on top of his. <laughs> no way. Stairs to go up to ours. And that's how we ran the job for about six months. That's awesome. Until we got to the point where we got the building up enough to where we could start building interiors. And so we framed out an office in one of the one of the spaces inside. Cool. They go to the trailer and that's our job site office now. That's pretty cool. It's wow. tight, man. So, so I we, mean, so, to answer your question, Davis, about like on-time deliveries, like it is exactly like it's exactly as intense as you think it is. I mean, we delivered a tower crane. It, where do you put it? It's it's the crane. That's what you use to put things wow. places. So it's like you have to get road closures. You've got to get police. Off-duty police guard the roads. You got to have MOTs out there to block off traffic. Flagmen. You got to have special permissions from the neighborhood, the neighborhood authority in that area to even do a road closure like that. And all of that, like if you're off by a second, and it just so happens to be that we're in an area where we have like the toughest city of Miami public works inspector, who's just, I, I think they pay him in building violations. So he just kind of just passes them out like confetti. They're just like <laughs> raining as soon as you get to Miami. <laughs> They're just out there. You just pick one. Just pick one. It's probably yours. Like, it, you just take it. <laughs> so, like, it's a violation for any and everything. So we're having to navigate that. Basically, just be tight, tight, tight on top of it. Um, delivery boards come in extremely handy. It's, like, mandatory. It's the type of thing where, like, you don't want to be a jerk, but like if that delivery is not on the board and there's somebody else delivering right now, you what can you do? You got to turn it away. There's nothing. There's nowhere to put that truck. So it's like it makes us the bad guys a lot. But at the same time, it's like man, like we we have a method of how we run this job. There's, there's a delivery board. You got to use it, or else yeah, we don't have any other way to take deliveries. That's just right. it. And I think one of the hardest things for me, Mike, whenever I came out of school was obviously to just get a base grasp on the building aspects, but you just don't think about the logistic sides of getting material to site and how big of a deal it is. Not to mention the the wrinkle that COVID played in 
you know, I'm out of out of school now, and that's what I'm dealing with the supply chain and the craziness and the escalation of material prices. So all that's going on. But then you just don't realize as a fresh college graduate, like, man, there's a bunch of semis that show up every single day this job site. And if you're not coordinated or if you don't have a time or if you don't have a delivery board, people just show up whenever they want to, right? We're trying to paint a picture for everybody to see this, but what would it be like even if you did have laid down space, but you still had delivery board, right? And you still had people came in on time slots. Because most of the time, at least from my experience, when I talk to a truck driver, they don't want to tell you a time because they want to have a two to three hour window just in case something were to happen. Right. right. And so uh, right. we'll be there about right after lunch and it's at noon. Right. Or we'll be there right at eight o'clock in the morning. It's like four o'clock in the afternoon. So it's just like having to get that act- accurate time out. And like you said, if it's on a job like yours and he tells you eight o'clock and he's there at 11, sorry, he'll see you tomorrow. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so here's the thing about site logistics, right? normally when we start looking at job sites, that's the first thing that we looked at just, just because just building in, in the city, like it plays such an important role, not only for deliveries, but like literally the completion of your building. So I'll use my building for an example. I mentioned we have a tower crane. So my building's footprint, right? We have the site is a, is a square. My building's footprint as cheesy as this is, is shaped like the U, right? The U. University of Miami, man. <laughs> it's literally it's it's you know shaped like the U. So we've got you know three sides and a courtyard in the middle. The tower crane is basically right in the middle of the job site because that's the only way we can get it to reach the you know the, the whole building. So we also have a, a buck hoist that you've got to strategically place that yeah. too because for listeners who don't know what a buck hoist is, it's basically think about an elevator attached to the outside of your building. So it literally goes up and down just like that. So when considering where to put a buck hoist, all right, where do I have the most consistent straight vertical line of openings in my building? Yeah. That's probably where my buck hoist is going to go. But then I have to consider what, what that buck hoist is going to be standing on top of, because I might be on top of my civil, all of my underground. I might be blocking the path of something. Yes, that's right. Exactly. Blocking blocking the egress way in or out of the building or yeah. blocking my delivery route in or out of the job site. Because to go along with that buck hoist, you also need a platform in which to get into the buck hoist. That's so, right. which normally includes a ramp unless everybody on your crew is Brock Lesnar. Uh, <laughs> you can just lift whatever. Like no, right. normally there's a ramp involved right. and they're going to build that to slope up to your buck hoist. So like those are things that like I didn't learn that in school. Like people don't really teach you that. Those are things you just kind of learn or hope hope you learn. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was about to say you brought up a lot of really good points to those who are you know th- laying foundations is about people who want to get into construction, right? We we yeah. our mission is to equip the next generation of builders, and so for those who are, are listening who have not been in construction, that's something that you're right. I didn't think about that in school. I don't think Davis did. You didn't, right? And it's like you don't know all the different pre-building, you know, like thought that goes into a, an actual project site until you get on that project site and you realize, oh, wow, I, I, I get it now. Like you have to think about everything. So with this conversation, we have the benefit of one, knowing you beforehand and knowing a lot about your project that you've told us. But before we get into that, 
and kind of talk about the challenges that you face and how you've had to overcome them, right? Because construction is pretty much just problem solving every day. Go into a little bit of just more about your background, like why why project management and why not superintendent, right? Or, or why not pre-con or quality, you name it, right? Why did you specifically choose project management and what has that journey looked like to you? So it's it's funny you mentioned that because I my in my long and or short career, depending on how old you are, uh, <laughs> I've had the privilege, like I, I think it's a privilege, of touching a lot of different parts of this. I've been a superintendent on the job, I've been an estimator, I'm now a project manager, I was a project engineer before that. I think for me choosing this path as opposed to the field route for me it was just really just playing into my skill set which you know for, for me I've always been a numbers person so I'm good with money uh, counting the pennies like I've always been pretty organized so yeah I personally enjoy the information flow because I I know that if I'm gonna build something because all, all, all everything that we do in construction right we I think we get locked into thinking about the hammers and the nails and, and the parts and the pieces but like literally everything that we do is people yeah there's not one single part of this that we do on a daily basis that does not involve another human being that's why this is so difficult <laughs> that's what Fair. makes what we do so hard because you you're ha you're being forced to like you're being forced to psychoanalyze everything and everybody, right? Because you you kind of have to you have to adjust your approach to be able to communicate with other people. You have to be able to see to kind of think about what other people are thinking about, uh, in a sense. So for me to be able to sit back and say, okay, how can I package this information in a way that somebody can understand what I'm thinking without being right here, right next to me, looking at my screen? That part I enjoy. So it's like it's almost like a challenge to me every day on the job. It's like how can I how can I package this in the most in, in the most simple and logical and yet detailed way possible that communicates what I'm trying to communicate to as many people as possible without having to write a nine paragraph email or just like call everybody up individually and explain like hey I just sent this to you I know it's confusing let me explain I'm not gonna do that nine times a day like I just yeah. I can't so. There's just not enough time in the day to do that. So I have to find intelligent ways to package that information to where it communicates as efficiently as possible because that's that's my day, right? That's 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 my day. I can't, I have other things to do, right? That's like, yeah. you get that one task done. Okay, great. There's like 15 others. So they all kind of look the same. So I, I have to constantly do that. And I actually enjoy that part. I enjoy creating and managing a system or systems. So that's kind of that's kind of what led me on that path as opposed to the superintendent route. Now I will say having been on that side on the superintendent side, it's really not that different. It's it's a it's a different, it's more of a are you a visual kind of person where you thrive by physically seeing something done and you can organize things that you can touch and feel? Or are you a conceptual person where you thrive by taking something that's on a piece of paper and thinking about it in, in, in the sense of, okay, theoretically, how is this supposed to play out? 
theoretically, how do I want this contract to be written? What do I want this scope to say? How do I want the dollars and cents to follow? Like, I think that's really the divide. It's just like, what kind of thinker are you? And like I said, I, I, I've been able to be on that side and this side, and I prefer this side. It's it's also hot outside here, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, takes a special breed. That's all I gotta say. It does. It does. I That's am good. not that breed. <laughs> I'm not that breed at all. Dude, um, yeah. I like air conditioning. I play indoor sports. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah he's a basketballer. Yeah, yeah. So there's two things I really thought of, and that was a third, but I don't know which way I want to go with this. But we're gonna go with the first two. The first one was I loved how you mentioned the communication aspect. I don't think enough of us, including me, think about, you know, explaining something to someone, but also, you know, we've conceptualized, we've thought about it, we've written it down, we've communicated with so many people. Say it's an RFI, for instance, right? I'm the one that made the RFI, and then the, the trade partner that just showed up at the job site, this RFI pertains to him. You know, so many times that person gets frustrated trying to explain the situation or explain exactly what is this RFI for if the contractor doesn't understand it well from our standpoint we already know all the information right this guy doesn't know and so we have to take time and so i love what you said is taking a step back and trying to figure out how for one do i figure out a way to communicate to him that reaches him right and not a lot of people do that so i want to give you kudos there and then the second thing a little bit longer story this weekend i had i got called back into work late saturday because we were pulling transformer feeders from the switch gear mm. and so um you know probably didn't have the best attitude about going back to work late but uh ended up like man just bonding to our electrician and i'm not gonna say his name because i don't know whether he wants me to or not but anyway the guy man is just amazing and what i mean by that like you know i just picked his brain i asked questions i figured out just like this like a podcast but like literally just wanted to know about him and he started to talk about things and he started to tell me about, you know, communication and leadership. I was like, how do you manage people? Because from his standpoint, he's managing crews that perform work daily. And for me, I manage people that aren't necessarily doing the work. I'm managing the foreman, right? I, that's my touch point. And I was like, well, how have you gotten to the point where you're at today? Because he's young. And he was like, man, I just watch people. And I was just like, okay, well, I mean, what do you mean? He's like, and then he started to give me an example of like, I watch this crew and I see who's going to be my lead man. He goes, I find out who my killer is. I, I know who's number one. I know he's the, who's the best. I know who's not. I know who's who I'm probably going to have to let go at the end of the day. And I'm just like, you know, I've never really taken the chance to sit down and watch a crew work together. And so for him, I know he's in that position that he can do that, but it just made me start to think about the tradesmen and what they're doing and, the fact that he cares enough to sit there and figure out which crew's the best, who I need to move around. I started to grow and get closer to him just because I was curious. Mike, what are some of the things that while you were growing in, in, in this industry, I know you're still growing, but as you were up under someone, I'm sure you had some curiosity in you, right? I'm sure there's a person that you were up under that really taught you a lot. What were some of those things that they did teach you? I was taught to, to ask questions and so it's like it's an it's uh it's an exercise in humility because as the GC, right, our oh. job a lot of the time is to be the directors, right? To have yep. all that answers, yeah. tell everybody all the stuff, 
and to be in charge all the time and know everything. No. But like we don't, <laughs> no. we don't like the, we factually don't know everything. Right. And like even me, like with the years that I've done this, there are things that I'm good at, and there are certain questions that I would say by now I probably don't really have to ask just because of the reps that I've had right. with it. Right. But it's like still every project is still so different from the last one that if you go in assuming that you just know, you're probably gonna miss something. Oh, yeah. So I totally agree with with your electrician. It's like, man, just if you sit and watch, you you'll be surprised what you pick up on, and just just literally just standing there and watching work happen. So couple that with the asking questions thing, I think I learned that yes, that what you ask is important, but also who you ask, because not, not everybody's willing to help you. <laughs> A lot yeah, of people yeah. are. And, you know, it, I think that's where the, the old psychology comes in, where it's like, all right, sometimes you got to play, you got to pander to some people's egos. And oh, yeah. they like to, you know, us young people, they're like, oh, how old are you? Oh, I've been doing this for 45 years. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So they want to tell you about what they did when, you know, before you were born, this and that. And they'll teach you the old school way and the new school way and this and that. And it's like, we hear the story so much, but like at the end of the day, it is still useful information. Yeah. It is. I learned that some of the guys, the guys who answer those kind of questions the best are the guys who are physically doing the work. So like, yes, you can go ask the foreman, sure. And you can go ask the PM, absolutely. But you go ask the guy with a hammer in his hand, he's going to give you the like the right now version, the simplified right. version of what he's doing and why. Yeah. And it's going to make a lot of sense. And it's going to stick with you. Right. And it's going to help you build a connection with that crew and with that crew member. Because right. now it's like you've taken yourself from super high and mighty general contractor to just a regular guy like me. Which a lot of those guys out there get intimidated by us GCs. So yeah. when you when you kind of take off your GC hat and just kind of, like I said, exercise that humility, bro, it goes a long way. Because you're once again dealing person to person. It's not, you know what I'm saying? You're dealing with the guy. You're not dealing right. with the electrician or, right. you know. You do what I say or else. That's right. That's exactly. right. Exactly. Like, we're not dealing with all of that stuff.